Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition to motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. We're continuing on our month-long theme of Ayurvedic postpartum doulas. So today we're going to be interviewing Charlotte, who is an instructor at the Center for Sacred Window Studies. Charlotte, would you mind introducing yourself? So Charlotte Sensony Sternkind, and I am located in San Antonio, Texas. That's wonderful. Thank you. Charlotte, are you also a mother in addition to a postpartum doula? Oh, I'm a mother, but my son is now 30, so uh, no grandchildren yet. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I I am a professional grandmother, though. Yeah, that's great. You know, you're actually the reason that I found the Center for Sacred Window Studies, so you kind of changed my life. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to be talking to you. I found your website and saw you were an instructor at the Center for Sacred Window Studies, and I looked around their website, and wow, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So would you mind telling our listeners what an Ayurvedic postpartum doula or caregiver is and what that means? Sure can. So um, many of you might be familiar with a regular Western style postpartum doula. So the differences in Ayurveda um, and being an Ayurvedic postpartum doula is that we pay quite a lot of attention to restoring the mom. And there are several different ways that we do that, which I think I'll be elaborating more on a little later. But um, also, you know, all the normal stuff that any postpartum doula would do, if you need breastfeeding support, if you need support with meals or siblings or um, just general family, but also a wise listening ear. So um, it's like sometimes we just approach like what's going on today and what's your most immediate need and go from there. That's great. I love that it's mom-centered. I remember after having my son, it was very stark that I was no longer the star of the show. So I love that um, having a postpartum doula just focused on the mother. I think that's really wonderful. I totally agree because in America and actually a lot of cultures, the focus is deeply on the baby and the next generation. And it should be, but mom also spent so much time and energy carrying that baby. And there's so many hidden needs um, of her body doing restorative work, you know, bringing the uterus back to where it needs to be, maybe producing milk for the first time, learning about breastfeeding, learning what to do about her own body. And at the same time, sometimes in the United States, addressing all these body image things and the desire to get back to a pre-pregnant state immediately. So uh, that's actually one of the wisdom pieces we bring in the Ayurveda, which um, is to be really gentle with yourself and easy and actually eat quite a lot of grounding, nourishing food with even extra fat. Yeah, I recently made my first bone broth and the effect it had on me was incredible. It was so Mm -hmm. grounding and nourishing and I can really see how a new mom would really benefit from eating that sort of thing from the very start. I mean, I'm two years postpartum, but it would really, I think, serve brand new moms very well. I, I absolutely agree. And bone broth is something that we offer, unless, of course, the uh, parent is a vegan or vegetarian and wants to avoid that, in which case we can offer some deeply nourishing veggie broths. But um, yeah, bone broth is great. And I make it slightly different than you would buy conventionally. So one of the things is we don't put onions in it. Because onions create a lot of gas for babies. And, uh, but the strange thing enough, 
um, is that I put a lot of roasted garlic in it, which makes a wonderfully flavorful broth, and it builds lactation. Strange thing about garlic. That's awesome. Was that a recipe you discovered yourself or did you find it somewhere else? No, that's actually one of the uh, bits of Ayurvedic wisdom. So um, one of the ones that we bring to caring for the parent, you know, because anything that mom eats or drinks is going to go into the production of milk. So we want to avoid a lot of those gas producing foods and then we have different herbals and things that we use for different purposes and like increasing lactation. Um, garlic is also for gentle cleansing and make sure it's roasted, not raw garlic. Okay. So uh, you can roast like a whole head of garlic with some olive oil or whatever, and then just put it on your bread if you need to eat bread. Yeah. It's wonderful. That's awesome. That's one thing I really love about Ayurveda is there's so much wisdom packed into what foods are going to have what effect on you. Mm -hmm. When I had found Ayurveda originally, I shared it with my husband and he was so excited because um, he had been having heartburn for so many years and Ayurveda pretty much just gave him a list of the foods that gave him heartburn and what didn't. And all he had to do was follow it instead of do a bunch of guesswork. It was awesome. Yeah, that, I mean, absolutely. Um, there are foods that we call pitta producing. In other words, they produce more fire. It's really great um, to use a little bit of that if mom is particularly sluggish in postpartum. But we don't do strong things like chili peppers and uh, um, generally don't offer tomatoes or things like that either. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite um, recipes for a uh, um, fake spaghetti sauce is made with carrots and beet, and then you use all the Italian seasonings in it, with the exception of onion, and uh, grind it all up in your in your food processor. And oh my goodness, it absolutely tastes like Italian spaghetti sauce. That's awesome because it has the sweetness from the beet. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, and plus the beet makes it red and, uh, you know, but it's deeply grounding because it's root veggies. So we do focus a lot on root veggies in postpartum. That's awesome. When I first started learning about Ayurveda, I started reading about how important root vegetables were postpartum. And especially because I have a lot of vata, and I definitely had a vata imbalance. So the more I read, I was like, I need to be eating more root vegetables. And I remember making this soup that had a ton of root vegetables in it. And oh my word, it had the most incredible emotional benefit for me. I was like, this is so cool. And I just think it's so incredible how food can have this effect. Well, I mean, if you look at the principle of let food be our medicine... You know, that's absolutely true. And um, you just work with the foods that you feel are good for your body. And when a, a woman gives birth, basically her intuitive channels and everything is wide open. Her channels for loving and loving the baby and if she's properly supported, the love just opens up. Whereas if um, she doesn't get the support she know, needs, then things just kind of shut down. And a postpartum period can affect you for many, many years. I mean, depression and all kinds of issues. So um, it's good to take the time for yourself in postpartum and allow people to take care of you. So uh, it's not pampering. It's restoring yourself so you can be strong in the world. I love that restoring yourself. It seems like a luxury, but it really is a necessity. Absolutely. 
Um, you mentioned that a postpartum doula is kind of a combination of a bunch of things. What would you say the difference is between a night nanny and a doula? Obviously, a night nanny is not going to be cooking for you, um, but could you speak to that a little bit? Right. Well, so the night nanny is there um, basically to take care of the baby at night. And um, typically, I've never done the night nanny role because, honestly, I love my bed. So um, that's one of the reasons I gave up being a birth doula also. But... um, um, so she is there to take care of the baby and basically, you know, they will bring baby to you um, strictly for breastfeeding if that's what you're doing or offer a bottle if you have pumped or um, using some other kind of supplementation, you know, but it allows the birther to sleep and sometimes rest, I mean, especially if you're just so wired, which we call vata, when the energy is extremely restless and she just needs to sleep. That's when a, a, a night nanny would be a good option. But none of us really advocate for having a night nanny consistently. You know, you need to learn to work around baby's schedule and integrate baby into your schedule. That's what family is. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it might be good for a short term trying to get some sleep, but long term you want to kind of wrap your head around it. Right, right. Oh, there was a second part to that question. The difference between a night nanny and a postpartum doula? Okay, so a Western-style postpartum doula is generally someone who has breastfeeding experience. Um, You know, some of them will hold a a national lactation consultant um, thing and, like, be really the specialist if that's needed. But um, most of them will be able to help you with breastfeeding. Many of them do household tasks. And um, the big difference between that and the Ayurvedic postpartum doula is that we do a lot more of the slow restorative cooking, whereas a normal postpartum doula might do quick meals for you, maybe offer snacks, warm up food that you already have frozen, which, well, we in the Ayurvedic world don't consider that the best option. But um, anyway, um, and like I said, some housekeeping. So whereas what I do is a very different focus, it's a lot of the slow cooking. And then because I'm also a massage therapist down here in Texas, I also give the birthers a warm oil massage or a type of acupressure um, that we call marma. That's Indian acupressure. And uh, the points that we use focus on supporting post-birth. In other words, um, we'll use points for calming the neck and shoulders, points for calming the brain when it's just going a little nuts, um, trying to figure out life points for either boosting lactation or if there's too much, although Ayurveda doesn't really consider too much milk a problem because you can always find something else to do with that milk. You know, feed another baby, donate it to the milk bank, do something wonderful with it. um, And I've gone off on a tangent here. Let's see. Where was I? Okay. Um, So I don't do a whole lot of house um, cleaning, um, but I will go around and, you know, shift laundry around, that kind of thing, washer to dryer. Um, I don't think it's in the mom's best interest for me to be folding a laundry. Generally speaking, 
there's somebody in the mom's village that can do laundry or pick up groceries or, um, you know, do a little bit of house cleaning, that kind of thing. Do you have any clients right now as a doula or are you just an instructor for the Center for Sacred Window Studies? Okay. So um, I had a big life shift and uh, um, I've recently moved from Austin where I had a pretty full-time postpartum and massage practice. And now the mama I'm taking care of is my own mother. So I do a lot of teaching and some occasional postpartum massages right now. But yeah, loving the teaching and maybe um, at my age, I'm 62, it's, um, it's actually a better thing for me to train other women to do a lot of the work and bring more Ayurvedic postpartum doulas into the world with the wisdom that we have. I love that being able to pass on that knowledge that you've been able to learn and also that you've put into practice so you really can teach it very well. Where did you learn Marma therapy? Is it called therapy? Uh-huh. Yeah, Marma Chikitsa is the, uh, the Ayurvedic term, but that's what it means. Um, so I actually learned it from my teacher who has since passed, I mean, she passed on the wisdom too. Um, and she was trained in the mother baby program of the big ashram, uh, the Maharshi ashram in Fairfield, Iowa. So uh, basically the knowledge was passed on to her. She passed it on to us and we're now passing it on to other practitioners. That's great. I didn't know what Marma was. I mean, I still don't know as much as you, obviously, but I was recently, I had a sinus infection and I was looking up some Ayurvedic tips and I found some Marma points and um, I used that and boom, it went away so fast. It was incredible. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how a little pressure on points um, specific on the skin can resolve all kinds of issues. And Marma actually works with the deeper levels and channels of the nervous system and even the reproductive system. So um, um, I hope I'm not offending any acupuncturists that may be listening to this, but in Ayurveda, we consider the introduction of a needle, even a subtle, fine needle like in acupuncture, a little too sharp for the woman. So that's why we favor the pressure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your journey to Ayurveda and how you discovered it? Mm. So um, my journey into the whole system actually started with a um, learning to meditate with a specific teacher. And... Um, Then I follow, well, I'm still following that teacher. And um, uh, now we have an ashram outside of Asheville, North Carolina, that I go to um, usually at least once a year. And from there, it was like, okay, we've got all these people. So I started, because I do love to cook, I find prepping food actually pretty meditative in and of itself. So um, so that evolved into doing some cooking at the ashram um, for our groups and learning some of those principles. Then when I had a flare-up, like you said, your, your husband um, had... A, a food issue where he got like this inflammatory upset stomach. Well, I had the same thing, but I was breaking out in hives. So that's where I grabbed one of Dr. Lod's cookbooks, um, Ayurveda for Self-Healing. And I cooked my way through that entire cookbook. Um, 
and got rid of that rash that was throwing um, welts on my skin. So uh, that was a major training in and of itself. Let's see, from there, um, well, I was actually already a massage therapist at that time, and my love of working with pregnant women, I mean, I specialized in prenatal massage, then I became a birth doula, then, well, you can't be a birth doula without, like, well, what happens afterwards? You don't just drop the woman after you've supported their birth. You go home with them or, well, sorry, check in on them afterwards and like, okay, how are you feeling? And, well, we think you could benefit by either this uh, lactation consultant or maybe you need to think about hiring a maid. Who's here to support you? Oh, do you need a psychotherapist to help you through this issue? You know, so then we bring a whole bunch of other support people into the team if needed. That's great. Kind of this connection to the other people in the community and making it a little easier for the mom to pull those resources in. Oh, absolutely. You know, because most of us have met people all over town that uh, um, we can recommend for specific reasons. Definitely. So it sounds like your journey to become a doula was almost like logical next steps. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at um, divine wisdom, it's like, well, was this the plan for my life that I just go from this to this to this to this and um, don't know what the next step is yet. But right now I'm teaching. That's great. Speaking of teaching, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Center for Sacred Window Studies? Oh, yeah. So the Center uh, for Sacred Window Studies was actually born out of our teacher's school, um, which was Sacred Window. And uh, um, we do still use her um, cookbook and her her primer called Touching Heaven. Um 42 days for 42 years, which is the, you know, seven weeks of postpartum support. And uh, um, so we used that, but we were all trained by her. And then when she passed over, we got together all of her students and started talking about how we could continue training women the way she had but I I went to Denver and Albuquerque whenever she was teaching classes and we are now looking with the availability of doing all kinds of online teaching that we can take this globally I mean we have had students in Australia um, Slovenia, Slovakia, was that it? One of the, the Eastern countries along the Russian border there. Um, we've had that some in Hawaii and, um, pretty much all across the United States, all four time zones. And, you know, sometimes it works for people to take live classes, but we record, um, that live class every Monday night and uh, make it available for them to listen. And of course, we're totally open to um, um, chatting with our clients via email or the phone if that works for them. So um, anyway, each one of us brings our own specialties. Like I am the instructor for the body work. So I teach the portion that teaches mom how to give a, their, a self-massage to themselves, then how to do the practitioner-given massage, how to do marma, how to do Ayurvedic infant massage, 
and some of our other practitioners teach the basics of Ayurveda so that you can kind of understand how we go deeper with the knowledge of Ayurvedic wisdom into the postpartum window. Then Christine, who is the administrator of the Sacred Window Program, teaches the the mother principles, which are, I mean, just to name a few, are softness, simplicity, um, warmth, um, grounding, compassion, listening. And that's just to name a few. And then... um, One of our other instructors teaches the Ayurvedic cooking portion, and uh, that delves into, well, if you don't know anything, how can you make the food she's eating better for her and more supportive for her in postpartum? And then she goes a little bit deeper into Ayurvedic cooking into Western cooking and what kinds of dishes will work um, best, and then some Ayurvedic herbals and uh, like some specialty formulas. So uh, it goes, I mean, anybody that takes our program could absolutely figure out like what is your favorite niche of the work and what do you want to do? And, you know, bring your own business skills to that area for the new birthers and families in your community. That's great. I love the wide range of things you guys teach. I think it's great. Yeah. And we try to do that basically in about uh, 14 weeks. And, you know, anybody who really feels this calling Well, then there are other schools where you can do deeper hands-on or a three-year Ayurvedic practitioner program, you know, if you want to take it to prenatal support or supporting women in general. Yeah, you can do all kinds of um, things with this work. That's incredible. I love it. What would you say the mission behind the Center for Sacred Window Studies is? Oh, wow, I don't have that screen up, so I can't read it to you. But um, I think our mission is to bring this ancient wisdom back to the forefront, because even our teacher talked about the black hole in postpartum care, which, um, I mean, like you said, you weren't terribly well supported. And... um, There could have been better ways to bring you back to health and, you know, full strength faster. So we're bringing this ancient wisdom back to the modern world here so that we can support our birthers and our families, the caregivers for the family, you know, so... I think that's so accurate. I mean, I've explained that to other people before, before ever hearing you say that there's almost like this pit postpartum that mothers fall into kind of like, yes, they don't have anything life threatening going on, but they still kind of fall into this pit. And I think Ayurveda is a really important piece in either avoiding it or getting back out. Well, I totally agree with you because too many women just flounder in our world and it's like don't quite know where to turn so um, fortunately you know with the internet um, you can get lots of great information now but I would go to a reliable source rather than um, you know picking up on any old thread um, You know, because sometimes it's lots of opinion-based stuff and very little factual information. (laughs) So, yeah. What are some of those sources that you recommend? They're a little bit more legitimate. Oh, well, I would actually, uh, I mean, totally recommend um, like your state health department for basics on breastfeeding or um, uh, let's see. 
maybe even contact your local doula organization if you have that, um, you know, for information and people to contact locally. Um, I mean, I use the, the World Health Organization a bit um, if I want factual basis. And um, let's see. I mean, CDC and we're, yeah, even has some wonderful factual based information. That's great. Yeah, it can be kind of discouraging as a mom to be on Facebook and looking for answers and just finding a bunch of opinions and no answers. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I mean, one of the things, you know, we live in a world where almost everybody has a cell phone nowadays. And I mean, even on the Today Show this morning, they were talking about restaurants where you put your cell phone in a bucket so that you can actually have a relationship with the person you're at the table with. But, um, you know, it's so easy to look up information, but um, one of the things that information does and having too much, we look at the principle of having too much information and not knowing what to do with it as being like almost toxic. And um, it actually also aggravates the Vata principle, that air and ether pr principle, which um, manifests in postpartum because the birther gets really spacey, you know? And like I said, doesn't know what to do with information and so many available sources. And unfortunately, I've even had um, birthers that have been obsessive with um, some news story where, you know, some trauma happened related to babies and they can't let go of it. It's like stuck in their mind as toxic. And I try my best to keep, you know, a cell phone diet, like don't have it next to you, you know, let somebody else do the, how are you feeling responses? Um, and also, you know, like I was talking about that, uh, the today show where they put the cell phone in the bucket, um, to not use your cell phone or look at your chat rooms while you're breastfeeding. I mean, it's almost the same in my book as to being on your cell phone while you're at dinner with somebody. It makes know? sense. I mean, your baby is eating dinner, so it makes sense. Baby's eating. So, I mean, granted, you know, maybe you can't do this 100% of the time, but could you do it for at least three of your baby's meals a day? I love that. That's awesome. You know, I, I like to be reasonable and like what's actually possible rather than, um, you know, being the kind of authority that this is the way it must be done because we do it in a lots of different ways depending on what works for the birther and the family and the baby. That's great. Have you heard any success stories from moms? that have followed that rule? Oh, yeah. I mean, gobs of success stories. <laughs> so, um, I mean, some of them, um, like the partner doesn't always eat the food I cook, but I always, um, when I'm cooking for a family, I mean, dessert is universally loved, and sweets are actually very calming to the air and ether qualities and very grounding. But we don't use high white sugar sweets. We're more likely to go with stewed fruits, um, baked apples with cinnamon, that kind of thing. And um, use some grounding sugars like um, 
molasses or turbinado or maple dark dark maple syrup. So rather than you know sweets and icing and cakes, so um, where was I going with that? Oh, so the partner doesn't always eat with the family, and you know, but I start off generally like, well, do you like Indian food, or do you want me to cook Western style? What's your normal diet like? What's your favorite food? What's your go-to comfort food? And sometimes I will adapt recipes for their favorite comfort foods, or they'll give me like a family recipe and I modify it for best ingredients that will support her in grounding and keeping the gas from transferring to baby. So, um, you know, um, yeah, so sometimes partner goes out and gets to-go meals or whatever, you know, or they eat the spicy tomato-based casseroles that people bring. I mean, I lived down here in Texas, and I had um, one well-meaning relative bring a gigantic pot of taco soup that was so spicy I mean, I'm sure it would have given baby perpetual hiccups. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you. the question was, though, um, success stories. So, um, many of my birthers, once they receive an oil massage and they feel how grounding it is, they want me to teach them how to do it themselves and um, continue doing that for themselves, I mean, as regularly as they can. But, you know, the Indian um, parents often do this once a week. The whole family gets the, their oil massage followed by a bath because it's so restorative to the system. Then I've had families that... Um, Oh, so I had one where the dad was actually a professional chef, and uh, he said, okay, you cook for her, and she is gluten-free and dairy-free. Can you do that? And I said, well, yes, of course I can. And then he'd come home and taste, and um, he'd go, my God, this food tastes really good. <laughs> And so simple, you know, simple from the standpoint of ingredients. One of the things that Ashley teaches in our program is that food should be easily recognizable. You should be able to tell what's in there, you know, and it needs to look delicious, too. So um, other success stories. Yeah, I mean, um, when a, a parent has had a cesarean birth, our first go-to for the first 10 to 14 days until her suture is totally healed, we skip the oil massages and we go for that marma. And it's extremely calming for the brain and nervous system and also helps the the suture knit better. And um, also we're helping with some of those points to help the liver and spleen detox the body from the medications received during the cesarean birth. That's great. Are those the main differences between caring for a mom with a vaginal birth versus a C-section? Yeah. So um, one of the Ayurvedic principles is, is if you put too much oil onto the mom's body externally or too much oil in her diet for the first 10 days, it's going to keep the tissue from knitting as best as it can because it, it creates softness in the system. So we concentrate on let's get the suture healed and then we'll pick up and do deep restoration after it's it's no longer oozing or leaking. Okay? That's great. I never would have known that. 
Oh, of course. It's something that's universally known that you need to do anything other than keep the suture clean, you know? So I come across a lot of moms in the yoga classes I teach and just my interactions with moms with here and now motherhood that either didn't get the chance to honor that sacred window and get the nourishment they needed, or maybe they just didn't know about it. What kind of advice would you give to those moms that didn't get to honor that sacred window and are feeling overwhelmed? Yeah. So um, there is a program called the Seven Sisters Program, and you can Google that. So um, this is a woman who talks about creating your village, like all the people that can step in to support you, even if it's just for an hour. You know, if you have a lot of people, um, you know, and don't count out the men out there who are willing to do something nurturing too, or, you know, somebody else that can pick up the kids from school or maybe even take the, the sibling on an outing so that mama can get a little rest with the baby. You know, um, if you have play groups, you know, ask, like, who else can I call on? And um, you can set up, you know, if you're having a baby shower or a blessing way, set up a little, like, these are tasks that I think I might need help with. And have people select a little card with a task and then stick it in a box, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that idea. That's great doing that at a baby shower. Oh, absolutely. You know, because that's where your village comes to. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm going to put in a plug here too, because, uh, um, I actually was invited to, um, a baby shower and the mama said, hey, instead of gifts, I would love to have this woman's services paid for. I love that. So they came to me and, get, you know, I gave them a card for a specific dollar amount or they paid for a half day of care because that's typically, I'm typically there for four to five hours in a day, not all day breakfast to dinner you know, but, um, and that my biggest success story is I had one village pay for 18 days of care for this mama. That like makes me emotional. That is the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. You know, but even if you can get three days of care or, you know, find out if you have an Ayurvedic postpartum doula in your community. Okay. And you can go to the, the sacredwindowstudies.com where we have a listing still in the works of um, Ayurvedic postpartum doulas and other supporters in the community. Um, or check if there are postpartum doulas Western style so you can get some support. That's great. And any moms in the Tri-Cities area um, that has any questions about this. Um, we have lots of connections to doulas. So, uh, reach out to us if you want to get connected with a postpartum doula as a postpartum doula. What do you wish all moms knew? Mm. I wish every woman all the time knew how to take care of herself best. Yeah. And sometimes that's listening to your intuition you know, taking a breath, going, what do I need right now? And if you can't get to it immediately, getting to it as soon as you can. Because I realize that sometimes there's a toddler clinging to your nose, or you have to clean up some, some barf, or, you know, you have to go pick up the kid from daycare. It, it's, yeah... That, that's what I wish for every, well, not just every woman, every person. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
And I love that you tied in that intuition into it, kind of empowering those people to be able to find those answers. I love that. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing for mothers or birthers, what would it be? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, waving that magic wand in the United States, I would see to it that every woman got six weeks or more, eight weeks minimum, if it's a cesarean birth, of postpartum care paid for. Yeah, there's other cultures that they see it as preventative care for down the road. Because I mean, a lot of moms, when they have those long-term issues, they can tie it back to that postpartum period. Absolutely. I mean, um, this is even common knowledge in the doula groups that um, problems within the relationship in the family often start in postpartum. And, you know, if the family is not well supported and gets their needs met, I mean, one of the things I usually did was invite partner while I was in the kitchen cooking to come talk to me separately about any of their concerns, you know, because it's like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. And sometimes it was like, yeah, that's totally normal, you know, so setting them at ease with this or, um, well, what do you think about doing this? Um, or this way, you know, so just offering options. So um, yeah, I tried to integrate the family, you know, in when I was serving. So just bringing them together and bringing them closer. And of course, having somebody who cooks for you, you know, that gives you more time Um, partner doesn't have to worry if they're going to get a meal unless, you know, I typically wasn't cooking a big fat steak and baked potato. You know, if that was their desire, they'd have to find a way to get it. But, you know, um, yeah. Um, oh, I guess going the steak and baked potato route, if that's what a parent is used to eating, I mean, I have done worked with lots of paleo and I had a keto um, birther. Let's see. So, and a raw food birther. So adapting those recipes, I think I've already addressed that a little bit, but yeah, there were families that totally only ate meat and veggies and it was like, well, what kind of carb can I get into you? You know, so actually I made like, she said sweet potatoes. I went, okay. So I made sweet potato pudding, kind of like the pumpkin pie filling and baked it as a custard. Yum. Loved it. That sounds incredible. Yeah. What advice would you have for moms who are experiencing those issues in their marriages and partnerships that you mentioned that are really common? Um, Couples counseling. So, I mean, there's actually um, some dad's groups, and I think um, the website is Postpartum Men because it's really important to know that not only birthers can have baby blues, but so can partners and dads. So that's a really good resource for the men. Yeah, that's really smart. I think sometimes we forget about that, and that's really important. Yeah, so um, counseling, um, talking to a trusted person, um, ideally together, you know, but insofar as getting out of the house a lot, Um, you know, I wouldn't spend all my time like getting out of the house and going to counseling several times a week, you know, maybe start that after the immediate postpartum period. As we're wrapping up here, what are some practical tips you would give to moms who are listening 
that are feeling overwhelmed? Feeling overwhelmed. So overwhelm can actually be part of that Vata principle, that air and ether. So we look at ways to um, pacify or reduce that principle. So ways to do that are warm. So stay warm. Cuddle up in a blanket. Put on warmer clothes. Um, the oil massage like we teach. Um, herbal teas. Uh, warm foods and like soupy, brothy kind of things, stews, um, things that have been cooked a long time. Like, I mean, a nice roast, if you're a meat eater, a pot roast that falls apart or some lovely roasted veggies with extra fat on them. So focus on the good quality fats. And in Ayurveda, we use a lot of ghee, which is clarified butter or sesame oil. And uh, sesame oil is actually in the Ayurvedic school. It's known for its ability to penetrate deeply into tissues, both externally and when food is cooked in it. So we're talking about healing the deepest levels, which in Ayurveda are the nervous system and the reproductive tissue. So, you know, have a little bit of extra fat. I mean, classic Ayurveda, unless a mom is carrying a lot of extra weight or has gallbladder issues, we do recommend about a pound of good quality fat every week. So that's a lot, but it will help settle and ground the system and help heal. Yeah, I've seen that in my own life. It make a, makes a huge impact, even if it seems like it's not going to. As we are wrapping up, do you have any last words for the moms listening? I think we covered a lot of tips. Um, yeah. So uh, the one thing we didn't address is too much exercise, I think. So uh, um, give your body that six weeks to heal longer if you feel like you need it. And there are postnatal yoga um, classes or baby and me classes at a lot of the yoga studios. So they can be a lot of fun too and be very gentle on your body rather than, you know, going out and starting to run right again or doing a kickboxing or something like that to try and lose the weight. Yeah, I think that's so important. We do yoga uh, here in our motherhood, prenatal and postpartum yoga, and we always make sure it's very gentle, very vata pacifying. We're not getting our heart rate up. It's very relaxing. Right. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome. So thank you all for listening and I hope you've learned at least one marvelous tip that you can apply to your own postpartum or to helping another birther in your village. You can reach Charlotte at charlotte.sacredwindowcenter at gmail.com or on her website ayurdula.com. And we'll include those in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to her. And she's also an instructor at the Center for Sacred Window Studies, which you can find at sacredwindowstudies.com. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast.